Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. I'm really excited to hear the testimony tonight. I've known uh, Shane for a long time now, and I've heard parts of his testimony. I don't want to take any more of Shane's time, although you have to take as much time as you need. Why don't we go ahead and welcome Shane up? Hello. Hi. Hi, guys. All right. Thank you, Bob. It's all mine now. Uh-oh. We're in trouble. We all might just cry tonight. All right. Sometimes I, I'm just going to warn you, I could cry, so bear with me. Um, I remember the first four months I was sober, I cried every single morning because the my escape and safety net of drugs and alcohol was taken away from me, and I felt so alone, and, and um, I cried a lot. So crying is important in the healing process, I've learned. Um, it's important to cry if you feel you need to cry. That's hard to say being a man and in the things my dad taught me growing up, but uh, I found that to be true. So I'm gonna get started here. First of all, I wanna thank you all for showing up because I have someone to talk to. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, showing up is an important part in recovery, so I commend you on that. Thank you guys for being here with me. And um, I hope as I share my story tonight, you'll find some place where you relate in my story. And I ask God coming here if he would light a spark in your heart tonight. And tonight will start a beginning of your life to where your past will no longer define you. And that is my prayer. And, and I do want to just open up in prayer and then I'm going to get started here. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we could be here gathered in your name, Lord, and praise you, Lord, in freedom. And Lord, I just thank you that you are working in our hearts tonight, God, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, Lord, that you are faithful to always be our Father and lead and guide us, Lord. And I just thank you so much for that, Lord. And I thank you that it's a miracle that we're all gathered here, Lord. And I just pray that you would speak to somebody's heart, Lord. Bring freedom, bring peace, and bring joy tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, my name is Shane. I'm 35 years old. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up in Jefferson County, so I'm a Jeffco boy. <laughs> um, I'm the middle child of two sisters. My older sister is a couple years older than me. And I'm going to give you a, a timeline of between the ages of 6 and 12 in my life. Um, my parents divorced. Um, my father became very abusive to my mom after the separation with stalking, threats, and physical abuse. When the divorce was final, my sister and I lost stability in our home. We were shuffled around place to place between back and forth, parent to parent, and I was sexually abused by a friend's older brother uh, during this time, and that was something I never thought about until older. Um, in my teenage years and, and what that did in my life and the struggle I had related to that is it made me feel dirty in a way that if anybody ever found out about it, somehow, you know, it would be my fault. It gave me a complex. So the first year of my parents' separation was the toughest because the fear my mother had towards my dad. Uh, most of the time we lived with my dad, but my sister would be the one who took care of me in this time because my dad was addicted to drugs and alcohol and he loved the fast life. 
So here, my sister, who is 11, 12 years old, taking care of her younger brother. There would be days we would be left home with no phone or anything, just me and her, until my dad would return. And don't get me wrong, my dad was the most loving man towards me, but he came with a lot of broken promises, and his issues would soon become my burden. So early on in my life, my dad showed me love when he wanted to show me love. And I held on as a child so near and dear to those pieces and the little bits of attention that he gave to me. And they ended up being a detriment to my life. I remember my dad asking me to hold a shotgun and load the bullets in it just so he could keep his fingerprints off it. He had plans to kill my mom. Here I am, a young boy torn between my mother who ran off because she was afraid and a boy who loves his dad and would do anything for him. I witnessed a lot of abuse growing up, but I found escape when I began playing and practicing sports such as baseball, football, hockey, and so on. I believe from these experiences, my codependency for others began. I would seek anything just to please those around me. I would literally conform to any situation I was in to be accepted by my peers, friends, family. I would just be whoever you wanted me to be just to get the attention that I was seeking. As the living situation became more unstable, this because my dad would be in and out of jail. My mom far away at this time. Um, when then we would be shuffled around among my dad's sisters who would take us in and care for us until my dad would be out of jail again. So now I'm going to give you a timeline between the ages of 13 to 18 years old. My dad was sober for a while, and he really began being a parent. And him and my mom reconciled their differences. They actually even had names for each other. My dad and my mom would attend my sporting events together, and my dad actually named my mom Peaches and Cream. <laughs> it's crazy, but it's funny. And they actually became like best friends and would get along at my sporting events and life was good. I started to sense a bit of stability in my life. But once again, that sobriety was short-lived and my father fell back into addiction once again and he would disappear from my life chasing drugs and women. I remember always wanting my father, always thinking, why am I not good enough for him and why does he not want me? But when he only found time for me, it was always convenient for him, and I held on near and dear to the little attention that he gave me. And my dad introduced me to alcohol at 14 years old. He would take me to the lake where I could drink with the guys and make stops at local bars and have me wait in the car until he was finished. Sometimes hours I would wait in the car. I thought it was cool. He, we had bonding time, and I was doing what the other guys were doing, and no one ever said a thing about it being wrong. At 16 years old, my father went to prison, and at this time, he wasn't coming back. My father was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. And this is when his choice became my burden. There was a chord that struck in me where I became so numb, and it changed me. I started fighting a lot, in and out of school, the inward pain from losing my dad and my mom beginning a new life with her husband having a child together I was so lost and broken my sister had got married at 18 and was starting her life I was all alone not too long after my dad's prison sentence I was introduced to Oxycontin that provided me the biggest relief from my pain and gave me the escape I was searching for 
Right around the age of 18, I had become a full-blown addict. My mother had gotten saved and born again shortly before this period. My mom convinced me to go to church with her. And it was at that time I was shooting up heroin and attending church. At that time, I met my first wife and we had a child at 19 years old. Now my ex-wife. We were very different. She never did drugs and I hid mine very well. We had our daughter in 2008 and I wanted to get clean. My mom told me about a program called Teen Challenge and that is where I would end up going to for 15 months. I read my Bible front to back. I completed every hoop the program had and I still felt something missing. I still had a void deep down inside. When I completed the program and being sober for 15 months and learned all about Christ and who Jesus was, once again, I fell back into my addiction. And I want to stop right here in this phase in my life um, because I want to point something out that um, at this point in my life is where my past became my excuse in my addiction. And my past actually fueled my addiction because I couldn't, I couldn't work through the pain that I had inside of my heart and inside of my life in this period. And it became an excuse. Um, so now here I am, divorced, minimal rights to see my daughter, chasing heroin once again. In and out of jail, destroying every relationship, friend, family, except my mother. And I want to say thank you, Mom. I appreciate and love you. My mom has been a rock in my life. And I would not be here if it was not for her. Um, if it not for my mom, I would be dead. I continued down the path of destruction, several wrecked cars, overdoses, attempted suicides, stealing, homeless for a year. We all know the road addiction leads to. My mom once again praying for her son. I became tired again and ready to go back to rehab. So once again, I went back to Teen Challenge and completed another 10 months, followed the steps, completed the steps, read my Bible. I completed the program for my second time. I made sure my people, places, and things were aligned, and I began attending church here and there. Life was good. Well, don't ever think you can't go back. Once again, I fell into addiction. It was not heroin this time, but it was meth. Here we go back down the all too familiar road. I spent every day getting high and living fast, chasing that little momentary pleasure. By this time, the fun had begun to wear off when I was using, and once again back in addiction, but I said, hey, it's meth, and I would convince myself that at least it's not heroin. A year into this addiction, I met my now wife in 2013. We began using together and shooting up meth daily, and I found myself taking her down the rabbit hole with me. After three months together, my wife became pregnant with our son. My wife and I had burned many bridges with people we were living with. We became homeless for a very short period until an old friend of mine offered to come live, live with him down in Joplin, Missouri. While there, we got off of meth and I replaced meth with alcohol. More acceptable, right? <laughs> Drinking, no one cares about that. It's socially acceptable, and if you do it responsible, there'll be no problems. That's what I thought. Me having the addictive personality that I have, I could never drink six or ten. It was always 25, 30 beers. Five days a week, sometimes six. 
I was working as a painter and life was good. No more drugs, just drinking and enjoying life. Our son was born March 2014 in Joplin. And then we moved back to St. Louis in 2015. 2016, my wife and I got married and we welcomed our second child, our daughter. I was very deep in my addiction with alcohol. I had been sober from drugs for a couple years, a few slip-ups, um, but alcohol was now my vice that carried me through most of our relationship. After many incidents and my wife growing tired of the drinking and my behavior, I made a vow that I would stop drinking. So on October 9, 2019, I quit. <clears throat> Sobriety became a reality in my life. Outwardly, I was succeeding. I was sober, no alcohol, no drugs. I would smoke marijuana at times, but I was sober, counting the days of being sober. Inwardly, I was miserable. I was unhappy. I was bitter. I had so many resentments inside, frustrated. Every little thing I did, I was frustrated while I was doing it. So outwardly, I wasn't drinking, but inwardly, I was still fighting that same addictive battle deep inside my heart. I was trying to stay sober, for my wife and our two kids and not let them down. Between 2019 and 2021, I stayed sober. I had a few setbacks with drinking because I would count sobriety, then reward myself with drinking. Oh, the mind us addicts have. We always try to convince ourselves and justify our behavior. I literally remember at times I would rationalize in my head and I would think, if I could just run a stretch of three months, I, I can have six beers. I, I just did that. And I would plan it all out in my head. But it just never goes like that. <laughs> uh, during my sobriety, my dad contacted me from prison. And he told me he was diagnosed with lung cancer. And three months later, he passed away in prison. Because of COVID, I was not able to visit my dad. And when I seen him, it was at his funeral in a casket. I got a lot of closure from my dad's passing away. I actually want to take a second. I want to talk about that. I got married in 2016, May 27, 2016. And me and my dad had a falling out. And I didn't speak to my dad up until three months of his death. He called me from prison and he said he was sick and his back hurt and he thought he had COVID. And so anyways, that reunited our relationship three months before he died. So we began talking slowly at first, and then he started calling every week, and then eventually he started calling every day. He ended up apologizing to me for the things he did, which I never heard that from my dad. It literally ate me alive. Mm. That was one of the things that held me in my addiction as well, was I just wanted to hear my dad say he was sorry for making me live so many years and go through so many struggles and troubles in life when I needed him. And I just wanted him to acknowledge that, but he never did. So it ended up 2016, I got married and I told my dad, I don't wanna to talk to you no more until you could tell me you're sorry. And so that became a reality up until three months before he passed. Anyways, leading up until three weeks before he died, he called me frantically. He was stage four cancer. He had already received radiation treatments and he insisted that it was okay for him to die because he knew Jesus. Me and my wife looked at each other like, what kind of crack is he smoking in prison? 
Like, because we just, we didn't put two and two. Like, our minds were so far away from God that we made fun of him. I made fun of my dad because he said, I'm ready to go. But I received so much closure when I seen my dad in the casket. I seen the look on his face. I got to bury him in my favorite hunting clothes. And God just did a healing inside of me because so long in my life, I was longing for that father. Around 2021, I began hanging out with a guy who helped me with my boat. And I would help him with things, and that person would soon offer me lines of meth. This went on for about a period of six months, which I would deny him. At first, I refused, but I kept surrounding myself around this person, knowing what he does, and eventually cave in, and I would start doing lines of meth again. I would come home and think, I will just lay down. My wife will never even notice. December 25th, Christmas Day. I left our home knowing I was going to get meth. My wife was suspicious by my need to leave on Christmas Day to meet this guy. Well, if you have a good spouse, always listen to her. (laughs) Especially if you have errors in judgment. Just trust your life to someone who knows how to live there. (laughs) It would have saved me so much trouble. So I left Christmas Day. I left home and I came back a different man. I had snorted the meth that I had bought and little did I know it was laced with fentanyl. I had went into uh, a coma. Um, I had a lapse on the side of my brain. Everything, my focal point was all shifted. I didn't sleep for nine days. Um, I literally had demons chasing me. Um, I thought my wife was cheating on me. All kinds of stuff. I accused her. All of my insecurities in my life were just pouring out of me. And I put my kids through hell. And let me remind you, I had not done mess since before my kids were born. Um, They had never witnessed this side of me, and my wife had no idea what was going on. My wife actually thought I had paint poisoning from breathing like lead paint um, because I would not disclose to her that I was high. So I said I hadn't slept in nine days. I was paranoid, out of my mind. I felt trapped, and I knew what was going on, but my mind was distorting everything. I had become the devil's puppet. I asked Danielle to come back and of course she said no my wife had got the kids and left at this point and I I asked her to come back she said no but she did agree to come and meet me at our home with my mom there and I told her I was sorry but at that point nine years together all my addiction she did not accept my apology or believe me nor should she I asked her to stay with me she gave me a chance she came back home with the kids My wife works from home and our kids were home from school on winter break. I remember this day like yesterday. On January 9, 2022, I was so depressed and I was ready to die. After 16 years of addiction, I felt completely defeated and accepted that that everyone thought of me. I began feeling very sorry for my life. I remember that morning my daughter And I drove to the store and I bought candy for the kids and flowers for my wife. I turned on 99.1 Joy FM, which was not a station I had ever listened to at that point. I was crying. I was 
on my phone. I was literally calling anybody who would answer the desperation in my heart and my life at this point. I felt such a failure because I let everybody down. In the desperation in my, my heart and my life, I started calling everybody. I finally got a hold of my uncle. And I, I started just explaining to him, like, like, this is what I did. And this is where my life is again. And, and it's just a mess. And he told me, which I know now looking back, was a divine moment of God. He said, just sit down and write a letter. He said, just write a letter and write everything that comes to mind. And I did that, and it just, it was a very divine moment in my life. I got home, I gave my wife her flowers, and my son asked if I would take him outside sled riding on the side of our home because it had snow. I was so blinded by my pain, in my mind, and after the car ride, I had planned that night to commit suicide. I thought if I did one last thing for everyone else, I could satisfy taking my own life and saving them from doing the same things to me that my, my dad did. You know, doing the same things to my son and my family that my dad did to me. I was repeating that same process and I just did not want to put my family through it. I had made up my mind. Once everyone goes to sleep, I was going to go in the woods behind our home. I was done fighting with addiction, but my son asked if I would take him outside sled riding. And I remember that day he locked eyes with me and it was like a part of him. I could just feel like came inside of me and and I just could not say no to him even though I just had nothing to give I just could not say no he looked at me and he said daddy please like he knew he was going to save my life and I could have said no but I didn't and I took him on the side of our home and I was at the bottom of the hill and my son is blind in one eye and he's always scared of things I took him halfway up on the hill and I said, well, what about going halfway up on the hill? And I walked back down to the bottom and I said the words to my son. I said, let go. I said, trust me, I'm right here. I'll catch you. And when I said those words, I heard God and I felt him. He said the same exact things to me that I said to my son. He said, Shane, are you going to let go? Will you trust me? I'll catch you. In the presence of God and my awareness to God was so strong at that point, my son looked at me and said, Dad, do you feel that? And it was no doubt, it was an unbelievable moment that God had literally called and given me a chance to accept salvation. The first thing pressed upon my heart after that moment, it was about a 15-minute moment, give or take moment, I mean minutes, um, the very first thing and the very first thought after that all occurred was that I have to go tell my wife every single thing I lied to her about over the 10-year period of being together. And what that consisted of was a lot of lying, a lot of hiding, cheating, deleting messages, up late, drinking, talking to girls, doing things I don't even know, but I know I did a lot of those things. And she was working downstairs and I... I went down there and I said, can you take a break? I said, I got to talk to you. And um, I, I got, I, I told her all the lies, all the sneaking around, all the things, you know, how I was planning to secretly stay in addiction and all the things I, I knew best. I opened up to her about those things and I was already prepared for her to leave me and she had every right to leave me and I settled that in my heart. 
but she did not leave me. Our entire marriage, we never went to church together. We never prayed one time. We never read one Bible. But after that experience, everything changed. I told my wife that I wanted to go to church, and she was not opposed to it. I found my Bible that I had from being in Teen Challenge. And God began working in our lives. I invested my mornings before work getting up deep into the scriptures for months, hours into the Bible. Every morning journaling, I knew God was my only hope. I believe this tool in my recovery is what brought me even closer to God. He began breaking off every chain that was attached to me, piece by piece. I quit smoking cigarettes, and this relationship with God really took off. We were attending every recovery group, church service, getting around people who were in recovery, and church was amazing. God began revealing things in my past and working with me to heal them. He quickly started using me to help others. After about six months into sobriety, everywhere I go, I had to tell them about Jesus and what he did for me. I've discovered the two reasons I'm alive is to love God and to love you. It used to drive my wife nuts. We would go to Walmart for one thing and be there for three hours because I just couldn't stop telling people about what he did in my life and how real he is. I mean, it's truly, it just blows my mind. Like, it's literally a miracle. I can't even explain standing here. I can't. The only explanation is God's grace. God has completely restored my marriage. Me and my wife have truly become best friends. My relationship with my kids and myself, I can now face life's trials and obstacles sober and set free. I had the biggest trouble dealing with any type of conflict in my life, the smallest things. I mean, there's so much more details to my story this past whole year. God has walked me through legal troubles. I mean, I made a mess. And when I say a mess, I'm talking a mess. And I, I struggled so much with dealing with making amends with stuff and and just facing things, um, but God helped me through it all. Like I said, I, I can now face trials and obstacles in life and, and not let them set me back. I am human, I still struggle with many things such as depression, anxiety. Um, believe it or not, this is really not easy for me to stand up here and do this. Being selfish, um, eating everything I see. <laughs> that food one will get you. Right? When the drugs and alcohol disappear, that food one's... Right? That's a tough one. If you go walk by the cookie box at, after 9 o'clock and not grab one, tell me your trick. <laughs> Today, I, I celebrate sobriety. It's, it's over one year. And if you ask me what the difference now being sober versus the other times... This time I'm set free. There's a big difference from being sober and set free. Jesus, Jesus touched the deepest part of my life and my soul. And he broke the power of sin and death that held me in slavery all of my life. I want to share a scripture. I, I changed this scripture a little bit to make it more personal. Um, it's Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 7. When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved me. Saved you. I just made it me. Selfish. 
This was not because of something good I had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away my sin, giving me new birth and new life through his spirit. He generously poured out that spirit upon me through Jesus Christ. Because of his grace, he declared me righteous and gave me confidence that I will inherit eternal life. I want to share one more detail of of something God has recently done in my life. It's really actually hard for me to accept because really all I've ever known to accept was kind of a second-rate life of a failure. I didn't really see I deserved anything better based on the behavior in the life I lived, but I had recently uh, started a job working at Queen of Peace Center downtown, and they work with abused women and children. I got a position given to me that requires a master or a bachelor's degree. Um, I literally do not have the qualifications to be there. But God completely opened a door for me to change the course of my life, to give back what he has given me. And, you know, I really enjoy people that have struggles and troubles and and feel stuck in life. And that is kind of where my passion is, um, because that's what I know. And that's my experience in life. My, my job is an intake recovery coach engagement specialist. So I, I am the first person who meets somebody and greets them coming off the street. And I help them to strategically develop a plan in their placement and treatment. I, am, um, I meet with them and I will help them walk through their whole recovery process and guide them along the way. And you know, I think, my God, if I could have had someone like that, you know, Amen. not that it would have made a difference, but I like to think it would have, you know, I mean, who knows, but, great. you know, I just want to say last, wherever you're at in your life, your past does not determine your future. And I just want to say that if you're like me and maybe you had a poor example of a father what forgiveness has done for me in my life is just seeing that my dad did the best he knew how to do with what he was given. Um, you know, so I have released and, and forgiven my father, but I just want to tell you all and encourage you that, that God is a loving father and there is nothing that you can do to resist or turn away from or deny that love. You know, so I just want to encourage each one of you guys that, You know, if you're alive and you're breathing, it's not over yet. And and you may find yourself in a spot where you're down and you may need to tell your heart to beat again. But I just want you to know that there is a Savior. Jesus Christ is a Savior and His death will hand you off to the Father and you will be guided through life. I mean, He will walk with you. He has done so much for me. I mean, He has... I, I could literally stay here until I died talking about the little bit of goodness I can understand about him. Amen. You know, so I, I just want to tell you guys, man, just to open your heart up and just reach out to him and he will respond and he will meet you right where you're at. So thank you guys for having me and I appreciate each one of you guys. Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, 
reallifeministries-stl.com or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.